0: Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on whtc.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Monday, January 29th. It's the uh, fifth Monday of the month, which usually means that uh, we have things open. We sometimes have guests that we don't have on, on a regular basis, but it's also a chance to uh, get some guests in that uh, maybe had to cancel because of an earlier uh, scheduling conflict. But one of the guests that uh, we are using our fifth Monday on to uh, take care of scheduling, uh, Snafus is the Ottawa County Clerk and Register of Deeds, Justin Roebuck. Justin, good morning, and Happy New Year, sir.
1: Good morning. Happy New Year to you, too.
0: It's glad glad to you are with us. If you have a question about elections in particular, but also about uh, other services provided by the Ottawa County Clerk and Register of Deeds office, Justin will be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450. 616-395-1450 Before we touch upon some of the things that your office is doing I do want to bring up something that our friend Penny Shuff and over at the Holland, uh, the uh, League of Women Voters of the Holland area has uh, on yeah. its agenda coming up and that is a week from today as uh, the League of Women Voters will be holding a Know Your Voting Rights seminar yeah. over at the uh, Howard Miller Community Center in Zealand.
1: Yeah, I did hear about that. That's a great, uh, uh, a great event. Sounds like it's it's a great event, and I know, you know, the league has obviously been very active in trying to educate our voters on some of the numerous changes in election law that have happened over the past couple of years. So, I'm sure that event is a worthwhile to attend
0: uh it is uh sponsored by the league of women voters and the zealand area action committee who is handling the uh registration because space is limited but it's going to deal with uh you know new provisions on early voting permanent male voter list voter identification absentee voting improvements military and overseas ballots elections integrity charitable
1: contributions, and the fundamental right to vote. It's a full agenda. And, there, you know, you're right. There is a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff we've been talking about, too, over the past several months. And um, I think it's important for voters to know, particularly in some of these changes as we're heading into a, a, a busy year. Now, the
0: presidential primary is four weeks from tomorrow, the 27th. Yeah. And... Clarify this as to the impact on the Democratic side. First of all, is President Biden on the ballot?
1: <laughs> yes, President Biden is on the ballot along with. Uh, he was I not believe, in New Hampshire. That's why I was candidates. Asking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's a good point because there, there are so many different rules about uh, presidential primaries across different states. Every state does it a little bit differently. And that becomes challenging when we're operating in this national news cycle and we're hearing things on the news and uh, particularly the states that are in the news when it comes to the first couple of primaries that we have. Uh, But every state does it a little bit uniquely. Uh, Michigan is no exception to that rule. Of course, our state legislature uh, creates the presidential preference primary every four years, so it's not a set in stone event it is created in law every four years and sometimes uh, little tweaks happen every time it's created such as the date, for example, which is this one um, moved up a little bit February 27 instead of the the first Tuesday in March which it had been a couple of years or a couple of cycles previously um, So yes, uh, President Biden is on the ballot uh, the the traditional Republican candidates, are also on the ballot, the ones that we've been hearing about in the news. I think that what what is interesting is, of course, again, as, as so many things are in play and candidates are dropping out, we have to have our ballots uh, 45 days prior to every election. And that's a federal law. Of course, uh, that process means we have to program our ballots and proof them and get them printed, get them sent to the printer, get them distributed to our local clerks and all that had to happen by January 13. Of course, since the 13th of January, other candidates have dropped out of the race and you will see candidates on your ballot on election day or before, if you get an absentee ballot that are no longer in the race. Now this might not be a question. The clerk
0: would be proper to answer, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Sure. Democratic presidential preference primary Voters are voting for candidate and the delegates to the national convention is based on that election Uh, results. Sure. Republican side, it's more of a
1: straw poll because of the Republican National Committee rules. Yeah, correct. So basically, as you said, the the Republican National Committee has these set uh, uh, rules that allow certain states to go at certain times In the state of Michigan, according to the RNC rules, cannot go prior to the 1st of March. So way back in the beginning of 2023, when the legislature, which of course is controlled by the Democratic Party, set the the primary at the 27th of February, that leaves four days prior to uh, when the RNC said the Republicans can have their primary in Michigan. Which means that if we do it before that date, if the Republicans do it before that date, they lose... I think uh, 50% or more of the delegation to the national convention. So long story short, the Republican party in Michigan had to essentially come up with a different way of choosing the nominee. So when the election happens, the physical election on the 27th of February, as you're saying, it's sort of more of a straw poll on the Republican side uh, that will be taken into consideration. I think there's a certain weight that the election results will have, but the Republican Party is actually choosing the nominee in Michigan by convention vote, and that convention is going to happen. Um, I I want to say March four or five, but it's the first part of the the first part of the month of March. All right, confusing. Now, it does lead to some pundits,
0: perhaps thinking that. As you mentioned, the Democrats are in control of the legislative branch of government, as well as the executive branch, and that moving up the date wasn't so much for their own party as if to say, we're going to put the, "Ah," to the Republicans. I don't know if you want to comment whether or not that is a <laughs> little political chicanery, but that has been mentioned by some political pundits.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like in a presidential election, there are a whole lot of politics at play, right? And and certainly the date that the primary is held is a, is a part of that. So I think that's probably about all this uh, election <laughs> administrator will say about that. But
0: <laughs> I will also mention... One thing that a presidential preference primary in this state may have similar to what we saw in New Hampshire. A guy that I know, his name is Tim Skubick. He works at WKAR in uh, 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 Lansing as well as uh, yeah. you know, basically one of the most astute political observers in Off Lansing record, over right? a number of years. Yes. He likes... Uh, to call primary where Democrats vote in the Republican Party as, uh, if I, now I'm start, now I'm going to forget the term, uh, uh, a little tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's sort of like trying to sabotage the other side. Yeah. <laughs> they saw that in New Hampshire. Yeah. In Michigan, you can do the same thing in the sense that you might be declared... Died-in-the-wool Republican, but sure. if you want to, you know, put the little, you know, cat put the uh, the cat-in-the-dog show type
1: deal sure. on the
0: Democratic side.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point about Michigan, because unlike a lot of other states, Michigan does not have political party registration. So if you're a registered voter in the state of Michigan, I have no idea what your political party is based on your voter registration. That's not true in a lot of other states. So. You'll hear the term, I'm a registered Democrat or I'm a registered Republican. That essentially means in other places that your voter registration lists you as a voter who participates in a Republican primary or in the Democratic primary. Well, Michigan doesn't have that. So basically in the state of Michigan, with this presidential primary, the legislature has sort of crafted this set of rules that says, well, we're going to have a closed primary. Which means there's two ballots. One is a Republican ballot, and the other is a Democratic ballot, and the you know the respective candidates are on those ballots. Um, but Michigan voters can can ask for whichever ballot they would like to vote on. So on your application to vote when you walk into the precinct on election day, or if you vote absentee, you have likely already gotten this form in the mail. It's called a Presidential Preference Primary Ballot Selection Form. Um, basically just saying, which ballot do you want, right? Because your clerk or your election official on election day, they need to know which ballot to hand you. So it's interesting because you you absolutely can. You, you know, if you normally identify as a Republican, but you decide you want to participate in this <coughs> other primary, you can do that and vice versa, of course. However, it is public record. So the fact that you not, not who you voted for, right? Not the candidate that you vote for, but the fact that you have chosen to select a, Democratic ballot, chosen to select a Republican ballot, that information is available under the Freedom of Information Act. In fact, a lot of political parties like to get that information. It's one of the reasons why the legislature sets it up like this, because this is sort of like a goldmine for, you know, a political party mailing list, for example, in an election year, for example. So just, you know, that that is a caveat to our voters that you can certainly choose whichever uh ballot you would like uh in fact if you've gotten that form in the mail and you do want to participate in the primary please do return it to your local clerk right away it's it's not spam mail it's actually a legitimate request because unlike every other election in the state of michigan their their uh the parties are separated by two different ballots
0: however for those of you who don't want to get the spam mail you might want to take this election off (laughs) Because other elections, and you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, Justin, is the fact that you don't have to put in your phone number and your email. Um, oh yeah, yeah, well, correct. on the on the thing. And, Whereas and, this one,
1: you do. Well, no, so that's that's a really good point, actually. And thanks for bringing that up, Gary. Because our uh, you know applications for absentee ballot do ask for an email and a phone number. That information. is is not available to be released from your clerk. I mean, you know, a telemarketer or somebody else may be able to get that elsewhere. But if you're ever filling out an official ballot form, that information is not actually subject to freedom of information. Uh, that is, that is the, the method that your clerk could use to contact you. And that's actually really important because right now, probably as I'm speaking right now, our 23 local jurisdiction clerks in Ottawa County are actually making phone calls to voters saying, um, I have on my list to give you an absentee ballot. However, we have not received your form back, right? They're trying to identify and make sure voters get the correct ballot, the ballot that they've chosen in this primary. So really good point. Um, The fact that you have voted, your name and address, that is information that is accessible uh, in any election, actually. So sometimes a political candidate or political parties they want to know who are the active voters in this particular jurisdiction, and they will, uh, you know, request that information from. But them. they
0: cannot request. Well, let's see what uh, this person did. He get a Republican ballot or a Democratic ballot?
1: Can that, yes, that information? Be- that information is accessible. Correct. The ballot choice, and again, this is only. It feels like we're, you know, kind of in the weeds here because this is such a weird uh, primary, such a weird election. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only in this election that you'll ever have to choose between a political party ballot. But that information itself, the fact that you did choose a Democratic or Republican ballot is available. Now, unlike when we go to the August
0: primary, where both parties will be listed or more parties will be listed on one ballot. But in that situation, You can only, you know, you only vote for one party. If you try to vote Republican in one and Democrat in the other, you spoil the ballot.
1: Exactly right. So our August primary, which is where really every other candidate in the uh, outside of president, every other candidate, that's the primary where we nominate, you know, candidates for the United States Senate for Congress all the way down, you know, to our County and local offices Um, that ballot, has Republican and Democrat on the same ballot. So everyone's going to get the same ballot. We don't know how you choose. We don't know which column you choose to vote in in that election.
0: Let's get to a call. Good morning. You're on the line with Clerk Justin Roebuck. Yeah, hi, Justin. Can you explain again what is going on with the Republicans as far as uh, delegate choices? I, I heard you refer to it earlier, and I know they have some... Um, they're trying to do something. But can you explain what's going on there? Is there? Um, we're still casting our ballots ourselves, but then they get to determine who gets the delegates. Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, great question, because it is a confusing process, and I can, I can do my best as a non, um, you know, sort of as an outside observer to what's happening in this process right now. But essentially, because of the rules and the structure for the National Party Convention, the national Republican Party has, has chosen the time frame that each state primary can be held on the Republican side. And the Democrats have a very similar process. It uh, it's just so happens that Michigan is within the, the Democratic Party rules and outside of the Republican Party rules with this election. But basically because of the fact that we are our, our primary is going earlier in that calendar than the national Republican committee uh, says it can – we would lose uh, the Republican Party in Michigan. I should say would lose, uh, I believe, half of their delegation to go to the national convention. And so, therefore, the the state Republican Party has come up with a different structure, saying, "Well, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna actually choose our our uh, nominee by election. We will choose it by caucus when the the party will actually caucus after." the the set deadline that the RNC has set. So they're going to take into consideration the results of this election. Um, but it's only going to be a percentage. And I want to say it's something like 25%. So in other words, the candidate who wins the Republican primary election on February 27, that candidate will automatically be delegated 25% of the delegates from Michigan to the national convention, but the other 25 or the, excuse me, the other 75% will be chosen in that caucus. If that makes, if that makes sense.
0: So, so so even if let's say everybody voted for, uh, Asa Hutchinson, cause he'll, he'll still be on the ballot.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: and that was a hundred percent, all the votes, they still would have the option of giving the votes to, uh, another candidate.
1: Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. Correct. Because ultimately, it is the political parties that choose the nominees and sort of the, you know, the political party structure in each state, not just in Michigan uh, and, and with each party, they sort of set up the rules and the processes by which they are going to choose the nominee. So, you know, in modern times that has become more of an election based choice. Uh, But if you go back even, you know, even 50 or 75 years with both political parties, most of the time that has been chosen at convention or caucus events where the party sort of party loyalists or party faithful end up choosing the nominee. So it's, it's very interesting.
0: As they say, we live in interesting times and it's getting more (laughs) interesting here. (laughs) Thanks.
1: Amen to that.
0: All right. Thank you very much for the call, Justin. It will begin. If I do my math correctly, uh, two weeks from Saturday, the early Uh voting centers. There are four of them set up. Tell us a little bit about uh, what these early voting centers are going to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, great uh, point. We are we are getting closer and closer to that first date here for early voting in Ottawa County, and that's going to be the 17th. So that Saturday, the 17th of February, we have four locations for early voting. And this, of course, is for the presidential preference primary that we are just talking about. Uh, Polkton Township Hall, which is out in the Coopersville area right off of uh, uh, 96 there. Georgetown Township Hall on Baldwin Street in Jenison. The Grand Haven Township Hall, which is right off of 31 in Grand Haven Township, just south of the city. And then in Holland here, it's going to be at the uh, MDHHS building, so the county's building called the Macatawa Room essentially on right on the James Street complex, right behind the new Holland Township Fire Barn. Uh, That is a large location, great building for for our early voting process also. So those four locations, anybody in the county can visit any of those locations. Any registered voter in Ottawa County can participate and cast a ballot for the February 27 election, and we're excited about that.
0: Those are the only four locations that they can do that. They cannot go to their own county clerk and cast a ballot. Well... They can get an absentee and cast a ballot.
1: Yes, so they can definitely get an absentee ballot, drop that off at their local clerk's office, city or township. Uh, But you're right, for early voting, early voting is essentially just like it would be in a precinct scenario where you walk in, you fill out an application and sign it, you get issued a ballot, and then you go and insert that ballot into the tabulator. So that process is only happening in those four locations, but it's spread across nine days. So beginning on the 17th of February and then ending on the uh, 25th of February, that Sunday prior to the election, um, our hours are 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. on every day except Tuesday and Thursday, and we have evening hours that day, uh, those days, uh, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Now,
0: this is only a presidential preference primary. There are no other issues on this particular ballot, or there, are there? There
1: actually are a couple of communities. We have four communities in Ottawa County, uh, and you can visit mi, excuse me, yeah, you can visit or I would recommend michigan.gov/vote because that way you can type in your personal information and bring up what is on your ballot. So we have four communities in Ottawa County with proposals local proposals. So if you don't want to participate in this political pre- presidential preference primary, you can ask for a nonpartisan ballot and still vote on your local proposal as well.
0: MyOttawa.org is the website. MyOttawa.org slash department slash county clerk for more information, not only on elections, but also on Justin Roebuck's duties as the county clerk and register of deeds. Also, you can sign up for property fraud alerts yeah, through absolutely. that website. Justin, as always, thank you very much. Wish you well. We'll talk to you again in the regular slot uh, in the month of February, if all goes well.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here.
0: Thank you very much, Justin Roebuck on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.